Welcome to Bourbon and Blondes, our podcast about enjoying bourbon, having an honest conversation, and empowering women to tell their truth. Hi, I'm Abby. Hi, I'm Elena. On each episode, we start with a tasting of the bourbon of the day, and then we talk about ourselves like every good podcast. We will have a word of the episode and allow the discussion to unfold from there. We hope you enjoy. Cheers. Okay, what's our bourbon? Our bourbon is... Well, I guess it's technically not a bourbon. Well, that's true. Our whiskey is... Surprise! Is Templeton Rye. It's a six years. Six year. The good stuff. Tell me about Templeton, because I don't know much. I know one thing about Templeton, and I'll tell that story. Okay. But not um, do Do we want to go straight into it, or we do want well, Let's do the tasting first. Okay, yeah. we'll do the tasting okay. first. Cheers. Mm. Ooh. Cinnamon. The smell. Caramely. Scotch. Teary. A little taste. Okay, taste it. What do you taste? Ooh. Oaky. Oh, God. I forget how delicious this is. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. It is. That's good stuff, isn't it? Wow. Can I just get a straw <laughs> to put in the bottle? <laughs> we will get two straws. I got two metal straws downstairs. Ooh. It's delicious. Uh, no. So, Templeton uh, is named after where it was first created. Templeton, Iowa. Uh, it was made during the Prohibition era um, for a way for farmers in the, the county that Templeton's uh, Iowa's in. It's called Carroll County. It's a way for them to, the farmers, to supplement their income. Uh, they, so Templeton was established in, I think it was 1898. And it was during like the construction of Chicago and Milwaukee and the, during like the Pacific Railroads and the it's it's a rich farmland town. Uh, the farmers and town merchants depended on each other for to make a living. And uh, in 1918, a temporary war wartime prohibition act was passed by Congress. Uh, it was banning the sale of beverages. I think like over alcohol content of over like 2.75. Mm. And that's nothing at all. Yeah. So it was like. You know, I mean, this I've, shit's like, f- what is it? 91 proof, so it's 45 something percent. Mm-hmm. So pretty much anything. That's like good. a non-alcoholic beer in this generation. <laughs> Actually, that's true. It's like kombucha. Yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, and then the eighth, 18th Amendment uh, was then approved, I guess, in ni- 1919, leaving the country dry for a year. So in 1920, during Prohibition, uh, the town came together in Templeton and started producing spirits. And that's where it all started. Then they started calling well, it the good they stuff. they probably have a ton of fucking corn in Iowa mm. that they're not using for anything good. <laughs> Feed and whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I love some corn on the cob. Mm. Mm. Sweet corn. It is sweet corn season. Um, and yeah, so Templeton was kind of created from there. So it was very much so a a brand that the town, I wouldn't say relying on, but it was a very brand loyal town and, uh, they matched the recipe. So I think it was being, I think it was being created illegally you know during prohibition and they didn't start like quote-unquote legally i guess producing distilling it until like the was it the 2000s really yeah so this let's see so in 2000 i'm trying to remember my notes 
Oh no. Refer to your outline, please. Um Yeah, so in 2006, uh, 68 Barrels of Templeton was complete for a four-aging, four, sorry, four-year aging process. The uh, It was bottled and it's way to shelves legally for the first time since, I guess they were doing it illegally since Prohibition. So it's only been uh, legal for... Flurry. It's only been legal for how long? Well, since like 2006. Templeton, right? Mm-hmm. It says in 2006, they started to make it. Um, and then in 2007, began began uh, distribution in Illinois, giving the state its first taste of the good stuff. Um, I'll give you a little bit backstory on my history with uh, with Templeton. Oh, I think what do you have on Templeton? So, tell me about your history with Templeton. I shall. Okay. Let me tell you a little story. Let's. Um, so I was at a team meeting. So I started with, uh, working for the same company that I'm working for now. I started working for a sales team five or six years ago. And the first week I started with them, they had a team meeting in Peoria, Illinois, like right. I think it was right outside of Peoria, Illinois, but it was, it was nearby. Okay. And we all went out to dinner Mm-hmm. We went to, I specifically remember we went to this restaurant that had like oysters and we all joked about like, how could there be an oyster restaurant in the middle of the country? <laughs> in Iowa where there's no water. <laughs> so we were um, hanging out at this restaurant and my boss asked me if I liked bourbon. I was like, actually, I do like bourbon whiskey. And he said, you have to try this Templeton. It's absolutely delicious. I had never heard of it because at the time, let's see if this was like, I guess it was like early uh, 2012 maybe ish time frame oh that was a while ago yeah it was a few years ago and i said i've never heard of it let me try it he's like it's a rye whiskey and so we have it i'm like i absolutely love this this is delicious fucking fantastic so this is the first time i ever had it and at the time one of my best friends had been dating somebody from iowa and i couldn't find it anywhere in st louis obviously i think probably at this point Mm -hmm. in time it was only in illinois and iowa and there was no place in Missouri for it because um, I could have caught, crossed over the river, you know, a few miles. <laughs> but uh, that would be a lot of effort. <laughs> and so her boyfriend brought it back to me from Iowa to St. Louis. So I had a bottle for a while. And then I noticed about a year or two after really liking it. And I probably still had the bottle that I was kind of like saving as my special bottle that I only had during special occasions. Um then I noticed they started selling it on the market here in St. Louis. So I think um, it says it says on their website that in 2015 they go international and begin distributing in Canada. So I would imagine, given that the, given that they were distributing in Illinois and Iowa at the time, they probably started distributing in Missouri. Probably, like I said, like 2014, shortly after I had mm-hmm, it in like mm-hmm. 2012. Yeah, yum. So and then the, in 2016, so only three short years ago, they released their six year, which is what we're drinking on right now. Wait, it's only three years old. It's only been on the market for three years. Yes. Well, I feel so special. Hmm. It's delicious. So Some good stuff. You have a bit of a more intricate relationship <laughs> with Templeton Rye than I do, but do tell. Do you remember how I talked about? I can't remember what episode it was, but how I talked about my Unabomber phase at Gamblin Whiskey House. Where I would like, that's how I learned about whiskey and bourbon and all that. I would just show up in like sweats and like a hat and I'd sit <laughs> at the end of the bar and they would tell me, like, they would give me a story about every bourbon that they poured for me. That was my rule. I was like, you can pour whatever you want. I'll pay for it. Don't care. 
everything you pour has to have a story. Like I have to learn something. Mm-hmm. And um, this one might have been my favorite experience at Gimlin because my bartender there, who I fucking love, uh, he he pulls this off the shelf and he goes, this is a good one. It's a rye. And I was like, aren't rye kind of like harsh and spicy? Like it's not as smooth as a bourbon kind mm-hmm. of thing. And he goes, you're going to love it. And I was like, okay, as long as the story's good, I'm it. Like, that's fine. Let's see what happens. And so what he does is he pours it. He does, you know, his bartender stick where it's like very intricate and fancy. It's like throwing the bottle in the air and catching it. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. During fl- uh, bar, bar flare. Fl- fl- <laughs> <laughs> they call it the flare. Flaring. Yeah. I don't know. Sounds good. So then I've never seen this done successfully in my life. What he does is he pops the top back in, flips it over, and sets it on the bar, and lets go. And it, like, balances. And I was like, oh, my God, it's going to break? Like, I'm going to have to pay for the whole bottle? Oh, shit. <laughs> but what he says is the bottom of this bottle is its story. Because if you look at the bottom of the bottle, what does it look like? I feel like if I tell you, because I know the story, it will be giving it away. <laughs> but do tell. What does it's it look an like? Ashtray. It looks like a glass. It does. Ashtray. It's got the 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 bumps along the ridge, and it's got the divot where, where you, you hold the cigarette. cigarette. Yeah. yeah, and it's got like a low whatever. Rumor has it that Al Capone during Prohibition was the one who came up with this idea, or like his gang or whatever came up with it. But during Prohibition, what they would do is they'd be drinking out of this. And then whenever the cops busted into wherever they were drinking, they'd pull out part of the table over the middle table leg, flip this bottle upside down, shove it down into the table leg, and it would just look like an ashtray. That's awesome. You wouldn't know there's whiskey at the bottom. That's awesome. So they'd be like, hammer to shit. Be like, I don't know. I feel like I would not be successful during this. <laughs> the bottle would go flying off the table. And well, not only that, but if I did successfully put it into the table, I'd be like giggling like a small child, like, oh, there's something in there. You should look. <laughs> but don't look, though. But it's not whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> but something like that. I no, that's, that's awesome. So cool. And like to this day, oh, are we showing the camera? <laughs> it's like your Thor hammer. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> So that's my little claim to fame on Tumbleton. And it was probably like the third or fourth whiskey they poured for me at Gamlin. Yeah, I I would say I'm I can't say that I wouldn't be a huge rye fan. I, I'm a decent rye fan. If I have a preference, it's usually mm-hmm. bourbon, a little something sweeter. But this is probably my favorite rye i can't say i've tried all the ryes in the world so maybe not my favorite for the rest of my life but this has absolutely consistently been my favorite since i i don't know the last six years it is i mean it's good it's probably the smoothest least mm-hmm. bite i rye i've ever had and i don't think the price point is bad um for the tape like you know 39 dollars yeah 34 39 i don't know oh that's that's good that was cheaper it's, than yeah. the other place so on the back of it it says um population 362 small small in templeton iowa yeah, yeah that is literally my grad i would never be able to live in a town like that <laughs> no that's like how many people live on my street currently <laughs> <laughs> you live in the city yeah no yeah so 
So the proof is 91.5. The mash bill on it, the rye is made of a mash bill of uh, 95% rye, 5% barley, and at Holy least... shit. Yeah, at least 51... It's at least 51% rye in the whole bottle, and it's charred with new... Or sorry, it's uh, aged with new new charred oak barrels. And it was... Uh, so. And we'll, we'll segue into this in a second. But it was distilled by uh, MGP until a few years ago. So it was distilled. Wow. Yeah, so it was distilled, oh, cool. distilled in Indiana, uh, Indiana until uh, a few years ago. And then it was bottled back in Templeton. But we'll, we'll kind of jump. We'll go into the word of the day, um, which is community. And we'll tie that back into yeah. the bourbon. After that, we'll dig, we'll dig in Ooh. a little bit there. But um. Sneaky. So yeah, so we'll go go straight right into the word of the day. Word of the day, and it is you just said community. <laughs> <laughs> Again, for those who weren't listening, for those in the back, it's community. <laughs> <laughs> um, a community is uh, uh, to me is a Ooh, yeah. How do you define community? Let's hear this. It's a group of people mm-hmm. that okay. we lean on in like tough times or good times, times we need support, times we need love. Our friends, our neighbors, our family, anyone that, you know, gives us words of encouragement that brings us up, people that we can rely on, people that can rely on us. It's the center of everything you do. Um, it's like it can be like a group of mentors. Uh, you think of like when sometimes you talk uh, about like a woman in business, you know, a woman okay. as a woman who tries yeah. to build her own business. Okay. Your community can be the people that you seek advice from, the people that help you mm-hmm. yeah. build you up, that give you referrals because we all are confident in each other's abilities. And so community can mean a lot of different things, but I think that's kind of what it means for me. What about okay. you? Well, I guess I would have to say that community for me has community is basically how I was raised. So starting from day one, you know, you have your family, mm-hmm. but then you have your community. It started out at a private all-girls Catholic elementary school, which was wild, but that was my community. And then it grew, and then I had my middle school, and then I had my sports teams, and then I had my high school community, and then I had my extracurricular activities community, and then I had my college community, and now I've got my professional community and my podcast community, and <laughs> I guess for me, community is the people that you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. Like it's the people you put into your life that you lean on for advice, that you lean on in times that are maybe more challenging than others that you're, you just celebrate life with. Mm -hmm. And they, your community has to be very, very intentional because your community makes you who you are. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, they say you are, what is the saying? You are the sum of those who you spend the most time with? Or yeah, sure, that sounds right. Some, something like that. <laughs> Not really good with sayings. It's uh, fine. It's, you got the gist. Yeah, but it, it's true in saying that whoever, the people that you spend the most time with are your community. And it's mm-hmm. the people who are going. So if you spend time with a lot of people who aren't bringing you up, people who are negative, people who are quote unquote victims, who aren't career driven, aren't pushing each other to be better people, you will choose to be similar to that. Yeah, you'll go to their level. Right. Good or bad. 
Right. Right. And you just have to be aware of yourself and your surroundings and say, you know what? This community may not be for me. Like I might need something more. I might need more. I might need to start myself by people who need to push me more or, oh, wow, my ego is inflated. I need to be humbled a little bit. So I need to get back to these kinds of people. Yeah. It's both ways. Yeah, absolutely. And just because people aren't exactly the same as you or see eye to eye with you, I think Mm -hmm. that's helpful to have those kind of people in your community as well, because I think the world we live in today where we're so narrow minded and live in our own little bubble, Mm -hmm. it's good to have people who have a lot of varied opinions in your group. So you can have a discussion as long as it's, you know, healthy. I think the caveat to that too, is you have to be willing to listen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because if you have that, and you don't listen, it's a little bit of a high tension. It gets a little unruly. But I think that you become a better person if you can listen to the people you put in your community. You know what? I may not necessarily agree with what Elena has to say on everything, but I'm going to listen to her and see how I can maybe self-reflect and put that into my day-to-day. And it's also like a discussion, right? Like it should be like if I say something to you and you don't necessarily agree with it, it doesn't have to be so confrontational. I think we live in a, a world now where everyone's so confrontational and they have the ability to be behind a keyboard. So aggressive. Yeah, and yes. it, and I I know I've had a conversation recently. Uh, it was a group of us of all different like races, gender, and it was a conversation that like people were drinking, which is usually <laughs> it's never, never an opportune time to talk about <laughs> political or cultural you need or to put yeah away and, when you drink. And it, I think for the most part, it was a pretty good. conversation until like a few individuals got really really drunk and then we're being unruly Mm -hmm. but that I feel like that's the place we need to get in is I may feel very strongly about something and there's things that both you and I feel very strongly about and some similar things too that we both feel very strongly Mm -hmm. about and I do appreciate hearing someone's opinion And no, there's a lot to be said, too, I think, on the other flip side of things. uh, You know, if you want to get to a place in your life. So if you're in a place where you're not happy, for example, Mm -hmm. and you want to get to a place where you let's just say you want to own your own business, you want to own your own online business, you want to start podcasting, you want to do all these things. You have to start looking forward and thinking about how your values and how your wants can align with the people that you surround yourself with. And once you start surrounding yourself around people who have those same uh, values and morals and wants, I think you this is just I mean, I'm not a fortune teller, but I think things start lining up for you because other people are pushing you to do more out of your life and pushing you to do some of the same mm-hmm. things that they have interest in. Yeah. So no, I'm, I 100% agree. So community is very, very important. Yeah. Um, it really, and I would like to just say this because we have started a podcast in like a very unique niche industry because we're including bourbon as part of what we're talking about mm-hmm. and a shout out to the podcast community, like the bourbon podcast community. Yes. They have been 
unbelievably welcoming and supportive and like oh well this is how you guys are hooking up your microphones maybe I would do it this way instead I would use these technology I, oh well I'm doing a single barrel pickup will it whatever let me know if you want to be in on it and we'll send you a bottle and it's like I feel like okay we talk about lifestyle we talk about our stories we talk about female empowerment but out of everything the response we've gotten from the bourbon industry has been wild everyone is like oh my god I love how you guys are tying this into life I love how you're tying it in into feminism and female empowerment and all of these things and it's just like that kind of validation on what we're doing because we from time to time we feel crazy <laughs> <laughs> like are we really doing this what is happening yeah but to have that response from a community that is mm-hmm. such like a niche market that's amazing yeah and I think this goes back and we've said it before in other episodes but if you don't put something out there then you never know what you're going to get back and we could have we could have talked about this for years right we could have talked about doing an idea that we toyed with and we had to make sure it was perfect before we published it right you could have beat down (laughs) perfectionism to its death yeah but it wasn't until we've said this multiple times because we've really only been doing this for a little over a month, um, two months to have the, two months we've had the website, and we're like, holy shit! There's so many people who have reached out yes. and who have been so supportive, and you'll always get people who are supportive and not supportive. But the fact that there's over f- five or ten people who have remote interest and in even listening and are like prompted interest right that like, are like we haven't asked their opinion they're just like reaching out and messaging us on instagram and our website and like oh my god i love what you're doing so i think this goes when you thinking i can be a little shy sometimes and i think <laughs> and I, I know it's hard to believe but i can and i thought about this i do cycling and this there's a thing at the end of cycling mm-hmm. where you clean off your bike at the yeah. end and sometimes the people next to you will grab a like a wipe or whatever one of those antibacterial wipes and they'll put it on your bike for you not the people who work there but just people who are around you that are also cycling and i want i wanted it's so weird i'm so in my head sometimes but i wanted to do it for the person next to me but i didn't want to be weird about we, it be weird yes <laughs> i was so in my head and then i i think about myself i think in my head i said what do I appreciate as a person? And I was like, would I appreciate if someone did this for me? And I, it seems a little extra to have to have this like whole thought process. But I think this also applies to like the social media podcasting world. I encouragement is so appreciated. And so if you're in your head, like, should I say this to that person? If you want to hear it, if you would want to hear it, if you were in their mm-hmm. shoes, go ahead and say it because just know you, your audience and you never know what kind your delivery of, is important. Well, yeah, but you never know what kind of impact you're going to make, you know? So true. So, yeah, I support this. Give people your antibacterial cloth. <laughs> <laughs> Moral of the story. In case you were wondering. So to tie it back into the bourbon, I know we talked yeah. a little bit about the town, but the, so the town has a history. It's of, a tiny ass town. It is a small town. 300 people. There's like a kid, 40 <laughs> adults, and then everyone's aging out. And a bunch of dogs um, <laughs> and corn. But so the, the, the people, the place, the community that hold the, the true spirit of the good stuff. That's the nickname for what they call Templeton Rye. Is it really? Yeah, the yeah. Good stuff? Yep, it's on the bottle. the bottle. Where'd the bottle go? Here we are. The oh my good God, stuff. You're so right. 
they are very brand loyal community and uh 2005, I think the the Templeton team partnered with uh, local area development to um, bring Templeton back home. So I think I mentioned earlier that they were with a different distillery and um, and then being bottled in Templeton, mm-hmm. but they wanted to do the distilling in town. So they built a brand new facility, which is on their website. If you check it out, they've got a really cool video that talks about cool. how they built the dis- uh, the distillery. And uh, they are the largest employer in Templeton. So, That's amazing. So they're well, you know I the whole three the whole, <laughs> that and the local gas station, um, <laughs> but they've put that more. That was not nice. <laughs> they, they love small towns. Um, <laughs> we uh, they've put one million into the local economy since opening its doors, and they donate to community projects. Um, they contribute two hundred and fifty thousand to the community center. The community center is the old Templeton High School that they converted into a community center, and then they spent one. Point four million in creating a recreational facility in town. So they, and this was another thing that I really like. So the Merrill Kirkhoff, who was the, I think it was the founder or the master distiller. Yeah. His, yeah. He, the Alphins Kirkhoff sounds very, very German um, <laughs> <laughs> is, was I think the individual who either, yeah, he's the one who created the recipe, the Templeton recipe. Um, amazing. He is. is yeah, Keith Kirkhoff is uh, the grandson of Alphans. Um, and he <laughs> passed away in 2010. Uh, oh, no. Or no, Meryl did. Meryl did who, I don't know, it's one another. There's a lot of also, Kirkhoffs involved yeah, in this story, it's I It's another family member, but he was 81. Um, and volunteers came to Templeton and started helping bottling uh, with the other people in town and with the help of all these volunteers, Templeton was ready for purchase by the holidays in, in 2010. So the community came together. Oh, that's so cute. To help sell the first. The community. Yeah. All 367 and of some them. Additional volunteers. Why weren't we invited? I don't know. I don't know what I was doing in 2010. I was just I graduating was college. college. Yeah. Well, I was just graduating college. <laughs> um so oh, no so to end the segment yeah, out got to find the final segment situation so i, I when uh we were thinking through the final segment uh we came across an article on forbes called online female communities why they matter and how to build them so i thought to tie this in at the end talking about community and you know tying kind of a women's empowerment mm. in here. Um, I found some like interesting about those strong females out there. Oh, and uh, women drive 70 to 80% of all consumer purchasing decisions. Oh my God. <laughs> That's crazy, right? No wonder my Amazon bill is so high. <laughs> <laughs> No joke. Um, they have their global spending power is only set to increase above that over the wow. the next few years. We need to start selling some stuff, mm-hmm. like some <laughs> merch, some bourbon and blondes merch. Who wants a t shirt? <laughs> Message us, please. Uh, the uh, technology is very is is dominated by men. Venture cap- venture capitalists who fund companies and the developers who build the products are predominantly male. Actually, eight percent of decision makers in the top U.S. venture uh, ca- capital firms are 8%? women. Eight percent. Wow, that pisses me the fuck yeah, off. That's crazy. Bullshit. 
So we're 70 to 80% of consumer purchasing decisions, but we're only 8% of investing decisions. That's horseshit. Yeah. And gender is, I I forget who, it was an analysis, uh, analysis who, uh, analyst, sorry, an analyst who um, <laughs> said gender is one of the most powerful, um, like, things that in making a decision on how we see the world and everything in it it is significant more significant than age income ethnicity or geography women and men behave differently online and this is a vastly exasperated uh, yeah vastly exasperated online since this is the part that i found really interesting since women are disproportionately targeted and online bullying bullying they curb their behavior to avoid attacks this is why there's less women on twitter and more women on pinterest it's not so much because of because there's no direct contact there's no direct feedback so if they say something on twitter versus they post something on pinterest they're not gonna get that negative feedback right that's wild i never thought about i thought it was just because pinterest was like pictures and stuff like that but no Very aesthetically pleasing right it was yeah. more or less because um it's there's more trolls on twitter and women don't like being attacked <laughs> don't like trolls they're small and they have weird hair <laughs> and they live under a bridge or in mom's basement <laughs> I think, you know, tying into what we are looking to do as Bourbon and Blondes, what kind of community are we trying to build? So I think, as we would like to call it these days, a safe space. A safe space. A safe space where we a can. A safe yet honest space. space. Yes. Yeah. Because we're we not going to let you be crazy. Like, if you're talking something crazy, we're going to. We're going to let you know it's crazy. You're be like, uh, you know, that's actually not real. Yeah. So, so we want to create a community of women who have probably similar interests to us, um, or people who don't have similar interests, but oftentimes we find, um, you know, we find a community of people who we're both all going through some similar things, or we're only a couple steps ahead or a couple steps back from the people that we look up to, Mm -hmm. um, kind of like a lot of women who are mothers they oftentimes like mentors who are also mothers because they can have a commonality of you know going through the mm-hmm. same thing yep so i would say that what we want to do is build content this is a big goal of ours is build a blog and build content around what our community of people want to hear yeah. so we're always we have our website our email on our website so if you ever want to hear about something more or you have a bourbon in mind i had a friend of mine if you have a word in mind like if it's Ooh, like yeah. a sensitive word and you're like i actually kind of want to know what this is like i want to know if i'm the crazy person thinking this word is like taboo and i can't talk about it because i'm a woman well bring it on well i had a i had a coworker recently say that she loved listening to the podcast because uh her boyfriend was really interested in bourbon and she didn't know anything about it and i love getting that kind of feedback because yes. that kind of feedback uh gives us the opportunity to know what type of information what type of content to put out there yeah so then but it's also amazing because like that's our goal that's the community we want to build we want to build a community of people who are trying to understand bourbon and trying to learn it and trying to kind of navigate their way through but it's a very intimidating industry it's like a boys club mm-hmm. it's like okay not always pick up a bottle taste it ask the person who pours it for you say what do you know talk about it yeah 
it's a community of honesty and engagement and learning. This it's funny you say that. Picking up a bottle and asking the people around you, like a bartender or whoever's at or the, the guys restaurant, wine. Yeah, or the mm-hmm. people where you're buying the liquor. Um, something somebody told me before when I in my career when networking with people, I was so afraid to ask somebody like, what's your story? What do you like? How did you get in your career? And someone said to me, they're like, people love talking about themselves. So true. Oh my God. So Why never we started a podcast. <laughs> true. <laughs> so God damn it. don't be afraid to ask questions because there are such things as stupid questions. Don't let the first grade teacher fool you, but, but it's, you don't know it's stupid till you ask it. Right. And it's good because people love talking about this kind of, yeah. if you came up to us and you're like, Oh, and we'll be the first ones to say, we do not know everything. We're not no, experts, not even a little, but we like talking about it. And, and then we can be like, Oh, well, let's look it up. We don't know it. Let's the Google is a friend <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> but it's, I mean, you know, I think the most important thing that we can say about community and Templeton, right. Is like Templeton is based. Templeton is, a community. Yeah. And they have produced a single product, Templeton Rye Whiskey. It's called The Good Stuff. They love it. It embodies what their community we is. And it. I think that is, I think that's what we're trying to achieve here. It's like, okay, well, we have a product, we have a podcast, we have our thoughts, we taste bourbon, we do this, but we're trying to cultivate a community and say, you know what? This is what we want to achieve. And if your community can't be honest and look back at you and say, hey, you know what? Try this. Yeah. And you don't listen? Come on. Bring it on. Won't you be my neighbor? What is that? I don't know. (laughs) Are you trying to be uh, Mr. Rogers over there? (laughs) You weirdo. Get this bitch a red sweater. (laughs) For the next episode. (laughs) For the next episode, we're drinking Knob Creek. So uh, go get you a bottle. Have some Templeton and some Knob Creek. Don't mix them. But uh, we'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.